Hey, this is WWE Hall of Famer from the Legion of Doom, Road Warrior Animal, and it's time for another episode of Oh, What a Rush podcast. And we are listening to the Sin pay-per-view this week. We're going to give our critique and, frankly, what I can remember from the Sin pay-per-view. And uh, it'll be exciting. We got some fun stories. Got some fun ways that I perceive matches to happen. It'll be a wild ride. So... Tomahawk! He's one half of the Road Warriors and the Legion of Doom, the most successful tag team in the world of professional wrestling. He's held the AWA, NWA, WCW, and WWF titles. He snacked on danger and dined on death. He's Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis. And this is the What A Rush Podcast. Now, here's your host, Joe Roderick. Back at it for another edition of the What A Rush Podcast with Road Warrior Animals. I am your host, Joe Roderick. Joined by the WWE Hall of Famer, he is Joe Laurinaitis. Joe, what's going on, man? Joe, how are you today? Can you believe here we are in the Lou in St. Louis, and it is freaking like 60 degrees out in the middle of January. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking ahead. We said last week on the show how I'm, I'm heading up to Minnesota for the uh, for the Super Bowl in a few weeks, and I know you're you're going to be up north that way too. And I, I'm looking at, you know, the forecast and you, well, you know, Minnesota weather. I mean, it oh might boy. be like minus 20 that week and I'm looking at it being <laughs> 60 here for, uh, for this. And I, my goodness. Yeah, man. Minnesota last week was minus, uh, was it 12, minus 12 degrees. It was crazy, man. I had one of my other business partners was with me out of town and I said, how, how, Cold as Minnesota, it's minus 12. Like today I'm looking at 37 in Minneapolis, which is freaking crazy because it's going to drop 30 degrees in a day. You well, know? you have, uh, you're heading up there, I know, a few times. We're, we're trying to get the schedules to work where you can uh, you could join us up on a show in Michigan coming up that you're going to be going to. I may have another business commitment over in Africa, but uh, we're seeing how that works out. But uh, hopefully I can make it for that uh, the time up in Minneapolis. I uh, look forward to seeing all the great fans up there if, I, if it works out. And then you have uh, you have Astronomicon in Detroit the, uh, the week after that, I believe February 9th and 10th yes. is when you'll be up there for, uh, for that. It'll be awesome, man. Mm-hmm. It'll do a lot of... A lot of great fans up there in, yeah. the, in the city of Detroit, the Motor City, man. It's crazy. you know. Good I, names, I, too, I, at I, that. Booker T, Bischoff, Pritchard will be there uh, up at that event uh, yeah, as usually, well. And Godfather will be there, too. Yeah, you up. They try to get you know, at least two or three Hall of Famers and some other legends up there, you know. So it'll, it'll be a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's great to always to see the guys and reminisce and laugh about funny stuff and laugh about stupid stuff. Today on the show, we are going to be looking back at the uh, one of the last WCW pay-per-views, WCW Sin, which took place in January of 2001. 
We're going to uh, go over the card, go over the happenings of that because it was a uh, it was a pay per view where you were involved in the uh, in the main event. So that is what is in store for today's show. But just a quick look back at what we had last week. A lot of feedback on the Q and A edition that we did last week. People really really loved your Bruiser Brody story of the third Road Warrior. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know which twin that was of the Road Warriors that had. It looked more like Hawk than me, but <laughs> it was probably the haircut that was involved. But but no, it had a longer nose than I had. But you know, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it is what it is, man. There are some crazy stories that people would think about and say there ain't no way that could have happened, or they think about it and they say that's awesome, yeah. you know. And that's what most of the stories are, man. They're awesome, and it's great to have the fans ask those questions. So fans, write in. Ask the question because there is no stupid question or there are no stupid questions on What A Rush podcast. Uh, so, yeah, we will uh, hopefully we'll see what we can uh, dig out of you today with the roster and the card that uh, that was WCW 2001. But a big week for you. So here's OK. You you're 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 road warrior animal. You are a Hall of Famer. You're part of the best tag team in the history of wrestling. And somehow, we only have you at 8,000 followers on Twitter, Joe. You know, we, I don't know how that is, bro. I mean, need, listen, I got, I, got, I got more than that on two Facebook accounts. I know. You know so f- fans have got to get in here and, uh, and uh, listen up and follow this podcast because uh, I know we could reach 50,000 yeah. easily or even the millions. Listen, there's a million, there's over millions and millions of wrestling fans around the world. The fact of the matter is people got to get this podcast out to your friends, get it out to your family, get it out to your loved ones. Hell, give it out to the people you don't like. They'll get a laugh out of it. And we need to get those numbers up. Demolition, Demolition Smash has 20,000 followers on Twitter. He's got 20,000. Hacksaw Jim Duggan has 137,000 followers on Twitter. Well, so what we need to do, we so we got you over 8,000. We are making a push for 10,000. I want to be, I want to see your account at RWAnimal over 10,000 followers by the end of January. Well, you know, Joe, Joe, you know, I'm a Twitter illiterate. You know that? You yes. know, you know that, but look at my Twitter account. Yes. That's why I have to have help with people following mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I would have millions of followers on Twitter if I just would have said follow, 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 follow. Right. But I, I never did. So, you know, that was the main reason for that. You know, there, listen, there's a ton of great wrestling fans out there, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind that next week's numbers will be drastically different. But uh, but it's all about you know giving the fans the stories they want to hear too. So they got to write in and they got to follow us and tell us what they want to hear. I mean, the Iron Sheik has over half a million. So that's well, just, there, yeah. that goes as show you. See, and heck, I don't even li- I don't even have family in Iran and I could have that many. See, so we need to work on that with you. We made some little headway. Uh, the Rock retweeted you the other day yeah. as you went uh, you and your grandson went to see his uh, his movie Jumanji. Jumanji so, was. Awesome, man. The Rock was funny as all hell in that movie, you know, and uh, it's all the great actors in there, man. There's a lot of great stars in that movie, but The Rock, uh, you know, he stole the show, and Jumanji's great, man. You know, me, when I was younger, you know, Jumanji was a, you know, was a... uh, Yeah, Robin Williams. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in the day. 
So yeah, and listen, Robin Williams and, and the, old, the old Jumanji movie mm-hmm. was great. How they you know get sucked into the game, and this is kind of a different version of it. But you know what, man? I tell you what, it's uh, it's great to see The Rock tweet out. You know, he's a great guy, and uh, uh, one of my first matches in Kuwait was against Rock and uh, The Rock and uh, Kane. So. Um, He's the man, bro. What can you say? Rock is the man. Uh, on top of that, a lot of uh, you, you are you were really starting to pick up that steam on social media. We talked about it last week and saw it again. The Georgia Bulldogs, who lost in the championship game to Alabama on Monday night, they uh, they were rocking. A lot of people in the crowd were rocking those gold spikes, the spiked squad. Man, hey, for, those uh, spiked shoulder yeah. pads. Damn, man. I guess uh, you know we're just kind of like a world known image. Well, it's uh, it look it's starting to look uh, to be that way. This came across the other day on uh, social media, the Mississippi State Bulldogs baseball team. Uh, they they've had they've had quite a few uh, really really good players come through the uh, through their through their system over the years. Will Clark, Rafael Palmero, just to name a few from the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Their head coach Andy Canizaro sent out a tweet the other day. His team, I guess they're, they're something, they're getting renovations to their stadium, so they're going to be on the road for the first month or so of the season. So he wants his team to adopt the road warrior mentality to just go in, beat people up, beat other teams up, and leave and get the hell out of there. So he went and he made spike shoulder pads for his team to uh, to wear, and you got to see that uh, that video the other day. You, you know, Joe, I used to do a similar thing. It's great to see the coach uh, make a pair of spike shoulder pads and give it each game. He should, he should hand each game to his most viable player, right? I mean, I used to do that with my young kids, with James and Joe, my daughter Jessica. When they, when I coached them, I'd have a trophy set aside, and I'd say, okay, you're the MVP for today, and I would give it to a different kid on my team who shined that game, mm-hmm. right? But listen, Joe, th- those spiked shoulder pads, they are an example of – they're kind of like a trophy that – nothing is going to be given to you in this life. You have to go take it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what the road warriors represented the best. And that's what we did. You know, we had the opportunity in wrestling and we were given that slim chance of making it and being a superstar. And we went and grabbed it, you know, and it's like that golden ring. When you're riding on the merry-go-round, you need to grab that ring. Everybody wants to grab that ring. Well, you got to grab that ring, man. And those spikes are that ring. Yeah. He, uh, he let you know, he, they invited you down. Joe, they have invited you to come to their stadium. Uh, he would throw out a first pitch for the game. Teams ranked twelfth preseason in uh, the yeah, uh, that, in the country. They made a super that, regional last year. It's pretty good. Man. Yeah, so a very good team, a very good program. And then he uh, he tweeted you today. He was in the weight room putting up what was it three? Uh, was it three thirty five, three fifty that he was uh, he was throwing up in the weight room? Three thirty five for a baseball coach. Yeah. Check that out, right? Go figure. Heck, there's some kids in the NFL that can't even do 335, you know. But you know what, Joe? When you reach the big stage and you do 505 for 15, then come talk. Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) Really, just screw you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Coach. But no, man, listen, I look forward to going down there. You know, after four uh, shoulder surgeries, the the first pitch is not going to be pretty. But then again, I don't think anybody would be laughing with me painting up the spikes. Yeah, what you do, you put the spikes on, and then you're just, I mean, how how hard is it going to be? You know, you just be like, oh, you can't throw the baseball with the shoulder. Throw it underhand, so, uh, I'll do yeah. an underhand fastball pitch or something, you know. 
Yeah, so yeah, that's some. There you go. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to be talking all about LOD and you, Animal, uh, in, on Monday Night Raw. We are just a uh, we're about what two weeks away from the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. So we are going to have an, uh, an episode devoted to you guys on Monday Night Raw. I believe so, I went back and I looked, listen, and I want to say March of '97. Not to interrupt you. Not to yeah. interrupt you now. Did you check out that promo for the 25th anniversary show of Raw? For who's going to be on it? Yeah. Yeah, or, or, two, or, of our, uh, two of our uh, guests already on the okay, show, the Godfather but, and Ted DiBiase. Even the, just the advertisement that it's coming up. Yeah. Not, not who's going to be on it. Did you see one tag team on there or mentioned? No. Really? That's WWF and that's WWE to the T. It has always been about single guys. It's always been about single wrestlers. And that's always the way it's going to be. There's not one tag team in the promo if you watch it back. Huh. I, I, I didn't pay close enough attention well, to that because they start name, yeah, they start throwing out the names. Sure. Like you said, you can go back in the archives and listen to The Godfather, listen to Ted DiBiase, two guys that were on the uh, Water Rush podcast in the infancy stages of this, and you can go and hear what they had to, uh, they had Joe, to say. Joe, speaking of yeah. wrestling, did you see the new logo and the new ring that Impact is going back to? I did not. Are they, well, I know they've been yeah. doing, have they, are they doing the six side or the four side? No, I man, the four side ring. Okay. I got a picture on Facebook today, and congratulations to those guys, and love to talk to that office sometime. Yeah. But, you know, man, they're, they're going back to the four side ring, and it looks like they're trying to go back to basics here, Impact is. You know, listen, it's going to be a slow climb, but somebody out there, whether it's Impact or it's Revolution down in Vegas, they get going. Somebody is going to put a dent in wrestling besides the WWE. They're going to do it. The, the business needs that. Yeah, and uh, well, we're seeing 25 years of Raw, and it just so happens today. You know, you mentioned Impact. Uh, it's I, I think a lot of. You know, I think a lot of people are surprised that Impact Wrestling is still going. Is now Global Force Wrestling is the uh, is who's owning that, and it's you know just ironic that we're talking about WCW in 2001 today, just about 60 days before they are uh, before they were purchased but, and no longer uh, existed. But check it out. Yeah. In the past, Joe, right? Really, I mean, this is the way the wrestling business was going to be. If you would have mentioned. Impact or NWA or Global Force, and you or you would have mentioned them against WWE or WWF. People, fans would be ready to fight. Mm -hmm. But lo and behold, look at your stars who are some of the main events in WWE AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. Mm -hmm. They took the Bobby best. Roode. Bobby Roode. Yep. They said, oh no, Impact guys could never draw for us or could never be main events. Wrong. Look what happened. Yeah. Now they're up there being main events. Wrestling is wrestling. Broken Fan. or woken, Matt Hardy was yeah, the uh, was Listen. the biggest thing going in, uh, in in wrestling, and it's it's interesting to see some of the folks on social media that have no clue what it is because people weren't watching it. I mean, the yeah. the casual fan that WWE gets wasn't watching TNA. They probably don't even know that's, what channel it's on or what time it's on. That's the only difference is a casual fan, yeah. only because the WWE has a network and TNA does not have the network. If they did, I think they would be on an even playing field, perhaps. But uh, listen, WWE has got long, long outstanding history. 
when it was WWF. So people, you know, it, that's an educated viewing audience that yeah. TNA has got to grab, right? So, but man, it just to the for the fan from looking at it from the fan perspective that they are going to like and they are going to not like whoever they want to like and not like. That's just the way it always has been. So we uh, so we get in to our main topic for today. Hit on a, a lot of different things from the uh, week that was. Uh, let's get in to uh, the topic of oh, the day. On. Oh yeah, yeah, wait, yeah. Wait, wait. One, one thing. Yeah. Joe, can we have a moment of silence, please? For. For the ascension. <laughs> the ass kicking they took last night. In 30 seconds against the two beasts from the south. <laughs> what are they, the, the bludgeon, the bludgeon brothers. Yeah. You like those guys? I don't know if I like them, but I love them now. And Ascension may as well just pack their bags and leave because any and all comparisons to demolition, powers of pain, or even the Legion of Doom just went out the window when you just got your you-know-what stomped in 20 seconds. That was kind of embarrassing. Listen, you always have to push, and you have to push somebody, and someone's got to be the falling pin. Well, those guys definitely took the fall last night. So fans... Please give them a moment of silence right now, if you can, without laughing. And, uh, you know, R.I.P. Ascension. Can I keep going now? Go ahead. Can, can go I ahead, keep go going? Ahead, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I just had to get that sentimental <laughs> twist into our show this week. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I've, I, I will I will admit, I will always be a mark for The Undertaker. There are guys that I like more than others. I'm a Miz fan. I'm a Braun Strowman fan. Those are all top guys. Sure. I am a, uh, I'm a big fan, though, of Luke Harper. I, I, I like the work that he did last year on his singles run leading up to WrestleMania. Luke and I do did think, from, he yeah. learned so much when you watch him from the beginning until the end of that run he became a great wrestler by the end of that run you know and yeah I, I agree with you I agree with you there what happened why did the guy what happened with the guy with the red beard why did he just I want to say I thought he was hurt last year when okay. when Luke Harper went on his singles run I thought they had separated them and I had thought that Eric Rowan was uh, was injured last year I'd have to go back and look because at that because I'm telling you right now one of the best viewing pleasures for the audience that I have seen since Undertaker probably was those two and Bray Wyatt come out, mm -hmm. bro. I'm telling you that I, I wouldn't be surprised if someday they get back together. No, they have to. That That is family at its best and they all fit well together. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, they, 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 you have to put, I think you do have to give those guys another run because they are popular and they still are essentially all, all the same characters yeah, as they have been too. It just works. And they're two monsters. Yeah, they're Listen, just, yeah. you don't have to recreate the wheel. You have two monsters that act like monsters. Mm -hmm. You don't have to teach them to look like – Joe, that's the difference we were talking about before, you know, with the difference between Hawk and I. You didn't have to teach us to go after that golden ring like we were talking about. We went after it and we took it, and that's what these guys are doing. They're going after it and they're taking it. And, man, that, that was an impressive, impressive win last night very fast. 
So, okay, moving on to the, uh, to the main dish, to the topic of the day. It is uh, WCW Sin from 2001, January 14th. 2001. So, depending on what day you are listening to this podcast, it very well may be the 17-year anniversary of this pay-per-view taking place. They had two more pay-per-views after this. So, they had the pay-per-view in February, then they had the pay-per-view in March before Vince McMahon purchased WCW and they no longer existed. So this pay-per-view took place January 14th at the Conseco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana, which actually was the last place that SummerSlam was held before they held it just in the Staples Center and now just in Barclays hmm. in in Brooklyn. So they actually have held a SummerSlam there in Conseco uh, Fieldhouse. Indianapolis, I don't think... Over the years, I'm trying to think of other major pay-per-views they've held. They've held a WrestleMania. Was it uh, WrestleMania 7 or 8? Where Hawk and I returned with Ellery. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you guys weren't on the card, but you guys had a... a surprise uh, promo. Yeah, you guys had the yeah. uh, the promo there. I want to say, was that WrestleMania 8? I don't know which one. Seven or eight. I don't yeah. know which number it is. I mean, I've been hitting uh, too many times. <laughs> so they had the. Uh, so they held it there, and the main event of this pay per view was Scott Steiner, Sid Vicious, Jeff Jarrett, and a mystery man in a four way dance. Prior to this, uh, look back at the history. Uh, on January 11th. It was announced that Eric Bischoff had actually purchased WCW for around $25 million. So it was uh, disputed as to what the actual cost was of this, but the sale was expected to officially close 30 to 45 days. Bischoff was going to serve as the president of the company along with Creative Control. Uh, That announcement was made again on January 11th, just Mm -hmm. a few days prior to the pay-per-view taking place. A look at what was going on in WCW in 2001. At this time, Ric Flair was the on-screen CEO. I know you watched this pay-per-view. He looked, I think, younger here in 2001 than he did at any point in the 90s, 80s or 90s. It was the short haircut. I mean, he had the short... Uh, kind of not buzzed haircut, but the very short, kind of spiky haircut, dressed in the suit, and he looked a lot younger, I think, and this time, the, even though he little, wasn't wrestling. The little Dutch boy haircut? No, it wasn't the Dutch boy. I think it was just the the spiked. I think just more of a spiked look, just a spiked up low look. You, you know, there there was a, a point in time there, Joe, for a while that you know we did not. We were so much in Japan at that particular mm-hmm. time that we did not really even pay attention to what was going on with WCW or WWE or WWF. <laughs> <clears throat> to be honest with you, I can't even remember. I, I, I faintly remember the haircut Flair had there. And, you know, I know at a, at a time there, I know Flair had gone to bat when he was in charge there a little bit. It was going to bat for Hawk and I about coming in there for a, a deal. And uh, it just every, everything kind of all blurs together because we're trying yeah. to go with 15 different companies at that time and just trying to figure things out, you know. Yeah, and at this time, too, uh, you guys, you, you came on Raw – you had a return to Raw in 1999. Around March of 1999, you guys came back from Raw. This was after you had left in 98. This was, and we'll, we'll get into your whole run on Raw then. This is when they had Hawk acting acting drunk, acting high on the air. They had him fall off the Titan Tron. You guys went away. You returned for uh, two matches in 99. 
You left again, uh, and in 2000, the only thing I could find from you guys in 2000 was the iGeneration pay-per-view <clears throat> in July of 2000. Didn't look up what that was. I just know it was something you guys did in 2000. So you <clears throat> you essentially just weren't wrestling, weren't really doing anything in yeah, 99 and, and 2000. Probably a lot of Japanese <clears throat> stuff. I don't even have I don't even have Japanese stuff. Well, I mean, it know, really it, looks that, like you guys might have just went home. You you might have. We could have just went home. Listen, that could have been the time when Hawk was right. dealing with the interferon and all that stuff for the you know hepatitis. So I don't I don't know. Right, and so in I mean in two thousand, your kids would have been how old as well with that? So yeah, you're right. So yeah, I mean, you very well I think at that time might have just been playing dad at home. Probably your your kids would have been in high school. Yeah, I was going to say James. I would have been sure in high school at that in time. I was and, probably working on James being with recruiting and stuff yeah. like that, and making sure that was all taken care of before I went back to work. So I, I guess at, I mean, do you remember at all the phone call that you got in 2000? We'll get into the storyline. We'll get into how it how it played out, but. Your brother, who, shockingly, we're, what, seven episodes into this, and we've yet to mention John, I think, once on, on the podcast so far. He was backstage. He was kind of, was he in charge of creative? Was he on just the creative staff at the time? Do you remember what his role would have been back in 2000, 2001? John was in charge of talent relations. Okay. For WWE, a job he later had with W uh, with WWE at the yeah, time. Yeah, so well, he was, you're talking WCW. No, this w, is yeah okay, WCW. WCW. Yeah. Okay, WCW. John was um, <clears throat> not the booker per se, but probably probably charge of talent relations would have been good. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, John had helped out Diamond Dallas Page before in the past, and Page never forgot that. So when Johnny was getting ready to retire from Japan, you know, he gave Page a call, and Page, of course. Page and Bischoff were best buddies, mm -hmm. so and that all worked out. And, and listen, John had a great track rec record, and uh, you know he booked a lot of stuff for the Japanese, for all Japan. Right. I mean, you know, he did a lot of good stuff over there, drew a lot of money for those guys, and and got a great recommendation. And uh, you know, then he went to WCW. John was only there for a short while. I mean, he got himself a heck of a contract for not even right. pro basically proving himself over there. You know, he proved himself in the business, but not in the U.S. per se. And, uh, yeah, Johnny was uh, was a part of it back then. So would it have been John that made the call to you? Was it Bischoff that made the call? Who, who makes the initial call to see if there's any interest in you having a role with the company? Gosh, man, I'm trying to remember who called me back then. It wasn't so much my brother because he wasn't in that position to call me <clears throat> to do something like that. I, I forget who gave me the call to come in. I'm trying to remember back then who was in charge of things, but I, I remember getting the call from their office on coming down. and do, it, it may have been my brother, John. It may have been. And so just know you don't really remember what the pitch Bro, was? I can't or? remember. <clears throat> well, the, the pitch was to me first coming down there was – you know, Rick Steiner was doing all this stuff with the with the straight jacket. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, the pitch was me going to be coming down in the one pay per view that Sid had broke his leg in, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, have everybody think it's Rick Steiner coming down because he was actually suspended. So what? Time. Okay, so and that's so and this you know I, I have all all the notes from everything the the Nitro. On January eighth, is you have you have him coming out. You have the person you you have the person in the straitjacket 
coming out on both uh, uh, both that and I think also on Thunder as well. You yep. you had the guy come out in the straight jacket. So at that time, was it Rick that was in the straight jacket yes, on Nitro Alec, and Raw? Or Thunder? came out in the straight jacket one time. <clears throat> okay. I came out one time, and that's when I was going to do the surprise. It was me. So when, I guess, when did your contract, do you remember when your contract would have began or when the call would have been? Because that, that Nitro, that last Nitro is taking place on <clears throat> January 8th, and Thunder's also taped that, uh, that same night. So on January 8th, it's Rick Steiner in there, and then on January 14th, you're appearing on on the pay-per-view. So did they know ahead of time? On January 8th, was it known that you were going to be that guy, or was there a swerve no. thrown into place? I think there's a swerve thrown into place. I think there was something to do with Rick Steiner maybe being injured or something, and they had to fill that spot. And then that's how I got into, mm-hmm. into position of it. Yeah. That's how that all happened. Because I was gonna, supposedly I was going to be thrown in there, there together and be like the enforcer with Scotty Steiner, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and do that. When then when Sid broke his leg, man, it just threw a wrench at everything. Yeah, so uh, that's as I'm looking through. You know, they they were having you know multiple people dress up in the in in the straight jackets and see. I was so the, far <clears> removed, Joe. <throat> you gotta understand. Mm-hmm. I, it's not like I sat there every day watching. Geez, I right. wonder what's going on here. I was at home doing my thing, and all of a sudden, I get a call out of the blues. Says, "Hey, man, we got something here you may be interested in." Right. <clears throat> so I, I heard what they gotta say, and I said, "All right," and I said, "I'll I'll take a gander at it," and I went down there and. And then I'm sitting at a limo for hours, and <laughs> you and you, I've I've met Scott. I haven't met Rick, uh, and just I'm trying to go back and think, see matches of you guys size wise. How do you and Rick match oh, up? Well, I mean, I was a lot bigger than Rick. Yeah, I mean, Hawk and I both were a lot bigger than Rick. I mean, Rick's only about I mean, I'm guessing maybe five ten, maybe, mm-hmm. but you know, but body weight wise, you just maybe. Oh, I'm gonna say 235, 240, back then. Right. Even as then, but Rick was a strong guy. You get listen. He and Scotty both were great amateur wrestlers at, at the University of Michigan, and they carried that over into pro wrestling. But they were fun guys, man. They were good guys. But uh, in the ring, like the only other time we ever wrestled with them was like the Crockett Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was it. So we never got really to wrestle them very often. Uh, with the exception of the Crockett Cup. So this, it was kind of a twist they were going to throw in. I guess they were trying to think, okay, you got half a one tag team here and half a one tag team here. Maybe at the time, the two rated top tag teams in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they were going to throw half of us together and try to form yeah. something out of it, you know? Yeah. I guess that's I, my vision. I think that's where they were trying to go. By the way, if you're wondering why we're not doing a watch along this week, uh, go back and look at the card for the 2001 Sin pay-per-view. There's no way in hell that I, uh, I've already sat through it once. I know you watched it. There's no way that I'm going to sit for three hours and go through this card and watch well, it again. I never made it all the way through it one <laughs> time myself. <laughs> <laughs> but we get to the uh, the card. 6,617 were in attendance for this and you think just two years prior to that two years prior so you're, you're only drawing WCW at the times drawing 6600 for this event when just two years prior to that the Georgia Dome filled 38,000 for a W for a Nitro that is that that is well bro I yeah. guess that just pretty much sums it up a mismanagement at its best 
You know, that's and, all you can explain to that. I mean, there's no, no other answer. I've heard Shivani just say that they they didn't know how to handle the success that they got. That's Well, that's probably it, too. Just like yeah. the Crockett's. I mean, you know, WCW had a chance there. When you get on Turner's network and you realize how powerful and how far mm-hmm. it reaches in the world – and then I think the, the success grew too big, and I also think it, too, it grew too big. You know what I mean? Like, the biggest thing they had was Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. and I don't think they could catch up to the growth of Hulk Hogan. Do you know if that gotcha. makes sense yeah. to you? The company couldn't catch up to where he was, and then they thought that they were where he was. And when you do that, you kind of get, I don't want to say lazy, but <clears throat> you get in the position where... Things are taken for granted, and you think things should be a certain way, and they're just not going to go that way. So the uh, the match uh, the the pay per view begins. The first match is for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. The challenger at the time is Shane Helms, who uh, we saw in North Carolina just a uh, just a few months ago. I know you've uh, you've talked with him quite a bit. He's on the indie circuit, or not, not the I should say the convention circuit a lot with you. So your yeah, paths yeah. cross quite I, a bit. I see Shane quite a bit over the ways, and uh, his opponent is Chavo Guerrero Jr., the current WCW uh, champion. So to start off with a match like this, it's that that was one thing that WCW at the time was really good about was starting off with hot matches or a match that you knew was going to potentially be as far as wrestling was concerned the best on the card but it was guys that weren't really developed that well Chavo Guerrero was at the time you know he was Eddie's nephew and didn't really have much developed for him aside from being the cruiserweight champion and Mm -hmm. at this time Shane Helms is there I mean they're calling him a rookie at the time and his gimmick is that of being in a boy band (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember. That. Yeah. But you know, but but here, you got to understand, though, man. Like Chavo Guerrero Jr., you, you come from a family that's got four generations of mm-hmm. wrestlers, so it wasn't like he had just okay, I'm going to be a wrestler today. So he he's been around the business for a long time, probably since he's been in his teens, and uh, you know he was already, to be honest, was already pretty much polished. You know what I mean? He just was hadn't got a chance to get that big push yet right. at the time. So, yeah, Chavo's Child, a great guy, man. Hey, look where he is now, man, with Lucha Underground. He's right. killing it with Lucha Underground right now. Right. And you had, when was the last time you talked with, uh, with Chavo? Have you talked with him recently? I talked to Chavo when his father passed away. Okay. And I called him, and, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of my wife, Kim. I was going to say, I we had, haven't brought it up yet, but yeah. your, wife, uh, your wife and Chavo uh, basically grew up together. Pretty much grew up together. You know, her mother... It kind of dated her dad for a little bit, Chavo Sr. And, uh, you know, so the new Chavo Jr. real well. So, you know, I got Chavo's number right in my, my mm. phone here. He's going to be a guest with us someday. Absolutely. You know, on the show. But, yeah, man, Chavo's a great guy, man. Good guy, good-hearted, good good representation of, of Mexican wrestling. It's just, mm-hmm. just like Ray Mysterio. Yeah. Two of the top guys in Mexican wrestling. How different would Chavo's career have been if his last name wasn't Guerrero? If if just Chavo Smith, Chavo Rodriguez was just out there wrestling and was his own character and wasn't constantly attached to the name of Eddie when he was a wrestler, is his career different? Did he get a push because of his relationship to Eddie or was he maybe held back a little bit because he wasn't as good as Eddie Guerrero well, was? Well, you know, listen, 
you would have to say that about Hector Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero and mm-hmm. and all the Guerrero brothers, man. Because listen, if nobody in the Mex, there are thousands of Mexican wrestlers. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that family name and that name persona, no one's going to get the break that those guys got. Right. I mean, you know, they probably got a little. I'm not going to say they probably did. I, you know, they got a foothold in the door. You know, no, no different than. Mysterio Senior, Mysterio Junior. Right. You know, I mean, but can they carry the load themselves? Absolutely. Look what Ray Mysterio Junior has done. He's gone above and beyond any mass wrestler in our business. Chavo Guerrero and or Eddie Guerrero was one of the best ever performers. Would he have been that same performer regardless? Well, I don't know because you don't know if he's going to get those breaks. Yeah. Same with Chavo Junior. You never know if he's going to get those breaks. But man. I think eventually he would have got his name known somehow, but uh, the Guerrero name, having that Guerrero name in the beginning definitely helped. Yeah. Uh, Chavo Guerrero would win this match with a, uh, after executing a brain buster, one of Shane Helms, Gregory Helms, however, you, how, what, how do you know him as? What do you know him as? Well, both Gregory and Shane. I mean, Sounds like, I mean, yeah, really, because I mean, when you're out there, I know when I've gone out there, I to uh, when I was out there with you for WrestleCade, I wasn't sure at the time if I needed to check in and tell people I was with Animal or if I was with <laughs> Joe, who they would know I was talking about. So yeah, with somebody like that, where it's Gregory Helms, Shane Helms, I mean, how do you how do you talk to when you talk to him? What do you call him? I I just call him Shane. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> listen, when we start doing by our wrestling names, man, everybody's just. Everybody in the business right. uses that. Unless now you get to this point in time, like if I see Smash the Demolition, you know, when we were kids, we all called each other Billy. Right. So when I see him, like, hey, Billy, he goes, hey, Billy, what's up? Yeah, I mean, that's just yeah. the way we all communicated with each other, you know? You go back to being a kid. What do you know Steiner as? How do you, what do you, is he Rick Steiner or is he Rob to you? I call him Robbie. Okay. I call him Robbie and Scotty Scotty. I call him by right. the first names. Uh, so, but, Helms, I, but I know them right. by that. Yeah, if I, say Rick, if I say Rick Steiner, you, you know who but, I'm talking but about. Even but even guys in our business, though, that if, like, if I was somebody like, uh, okay, Luger, mm-hmm. that didn't know Scotty Steiner on the level that I knew him, right. he would call him Rick. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? You no, you're talking Rob. You mean Rob. Yeah. yeah, but he would call him Rick, though. He, yeah, he you said Scott. I'm just saying that's no, what I'm yeah, saying. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't be calling him, you know, by his, his legal right. first name. Okay. I got you. So, uh, but, but Helms, what I was going to say, one of his finishers at the time it was the vertebraker. You Are you familiar with what the vertebraker was? Where you go to kneel down in the back? No, that was – I'm showing you the video of the, uh, the vertebraker. You, you talk dangerous wrestling moves, and you, you look at you know, a move like this. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah, got to be yeah. one of those where you see it on TV. I mean, you watch it – you know, you watch a show from 20 years ago. You know the guy's going to live from it. But if one that's a move slip, you see bro. live, yeah. One slip, man. Yeah, yeah. Anything you do where you cannot see the guy landing is not good. Why? Why? Let I me. Mean, I, I get for the visual aspect of letting it happen, but as a wrestler, I mean, you you're too big. You were too big to go into a move like that. No one's picking you up I underhanded would never like do that. The but as a wrestler, are you? I mean, how much 
leeway does a guy have to say I'm not, you know, does Chavo, is Chavo allowed to say I'm not taking that move? Or do, or is it a trust factor uh, with a guy like well, Helms that you're willing to take it? it all depends who you're wrestling with. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, people would refuse to do stuff that Hawk and I wanted to do with them. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, then they would learn to know that they can trust us and we never hurt anybody. So then they would say, okay, we'll do it down the line, you know. But that, that kind of move that someone's virtually unknown yeah. Yeah. Travel had every right to say, no, I don't want to do it. I mean, for a move like the doomsday device, if you will, you have, I mean, that's a lot of, that's, you know, Hawk grabbing, you know, giving a guy a clothesline and also, you know, trying to move him enough to where you're also able to flip him in the air. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I mean, in the end, it's, you know, a guy going from your shoulders and falling on his face. Uh, to, you yeah. know, but so. But it all falls I, but I'm sure on there, me. Yeah, it's it you to flip him on, yeah, back and yeah. Hawk to kind of start the process of getting the guy to completely turn around. Was there anybody back in the day that just refused to flat out take oh, that in the couple, ring? There's a couple guys, Paul Roma. Okay. Paul Roma didn't like that move, and so I think uh, instead he went to give me a cross body off the top, and I caught him with a power slam, mm-hmm. which I think is way more dangerous, but he wanted to do that instead. And then, uh, you know, there's a few other guys. Arn Anderson didn't like doing the flip, so we went straight back, which called the electric chair, you know, mm-hmm. thing, boom. Yeah. So, you know, listen, some guys didn't want to do it, but that, and that's fine. If you're afraid to do it, and there's some guys that I would refuse to do it to because they were just too tall. Right. And I would, listen, I was a better judge of they could, if they could do it or not because I wouldn't take the chance of wanting to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, but most of the time, 99.9% of the time, I'm flipping your feet. I know you're going to go over. Hawk's going to hit you. It's a timing thing. Hawk hits you. I push. And all you got to do, all I tell everybody is look. Just look for your belly to hit. And that's mm-hmm. what you hit. And that's the next thing that hits, you know. So it's not as bad as everybody thought. The uh, next match, well, before uh, before we get to the next match, Mike Tanay is backstage. And we see Mike Tanay a few times during the show with the CEO, Ric Flair, getting out of the limo where the mystery opponent was in the – now, at this time, I, now, you were hidden. You What time did you show up to the arena Bro, this day? I was there early in the afternoon. I was in that limo. I ain't kidding you. Probably for six, seven hours in that freaking limo. Now, was this the same limo that Flair's getting out of? Was Flair in this limo with you, or was this just – or were you just in a – I was a, just in a limo. Yeah, Flair, I was going to say, Flair you were just in, in a, a, <clears throat> word, a, a shoot limo somewhere else that just was <clears throat> no, just to it, hide you. It, it was a real limo in the building, and I sat Well, not there. the one that was on TV, though. That's what I'm saying. So you were just in a completely different limo that they just picked you up in and hid Bro, you. I, I don't know where there are other cameras. Seriously, I was so hidden. I didn't know if they had one limo, two limo, three limo. I don't know what they had. All that I know is I was a limo in by the loading docks inside, sitting in the car. Flair came in and said hello. Uh, Bischoff came in and okay, said so hello. Okay, so Flair came in there. So oh, Flair sure. very well could have been getting out of this limo to do his hit with Mike exactly. today. Okay. Well, that's, that was the way they portrayed it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I sat there along with, with Goldberg than anybody and just shot the shit, you know. When was the last time you'd seen Goldberg before there? When did you first meet? Because you that was were the first in. Time I met him. Because I was going to say you were in. You when he debuted, you would have been in WWF uh, in '98, '99. Yeah. When when he debuted, so this is your first time. This day is the first time that you meet Bill yeah, Goldberg. Exactly. Yeah. And mutual respect, man. There's always a mutual respect when two big. I was going to say, is guys. it the big dude thing? Is it the maybe the football tie-in? What is the tie-in that? Because Goldberg also, he you know he's from yeah. that area. He he, if he's a wrestling fan, he would have watched you growing up. So, what is the connection? How does that first meeting go? Well, I think 
First of all, I think it's the success thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody that achieves that kind of success knows this SOB worked his ass off to get it, right? So I think you have that common denominator there. And and, and being an athlete, there are no shortcuts to success. And I think no matter – and the same thing goes in work. And I, I used to tell my kids, same thing goes in school. There is no shortcut to success, right? So when you've achieved that greatness, and, of course, you know, the stuff that we lifted was no joke. I mean, those were real-life videos of what we lifted, showed videos of after I broke my back. Me, I was doing bent-over rows with 405, like bam, bam, bam. I mean – who does that? Hardly anybody in the world does that. So a guy like Goldberg coming from the NFL, when you do very similar lifts, mm-hmm. you can respect and have that respect factor. And besides, I'm sitting there on a limo. I was 310 pounds. Mm-hmm. How could you not? I mean, then Goldberg comes in, traps out his ears like Hawk, you know, my partner. <clears throat> it's a mutual respect thing, you know. Yeah. And, that, and that's where it stems from. And everybody knew, because we made it no secret, we respected the NFL and football players. Guys like John Alt, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs, was an all-pro for many years. Well, he went to high school with my brother John in Minnesota. And seeing him play, and every time we would go to every building, and I think Goldberg was part of that crew too. When we would come to Atlanta and guys that were on the Falcons, we would give everybody free tickets. Mm-hmm. We would give the football players free tickets or free passes, or they wouldn't even need a ticket. Come on in, we'll give you we'll comp yeah. seats for you. You know, so we always took care of the NFL guys. Yeah. So the NFL, and besides that, we had a lot of guys that that did play some good ball. Yeah. You had Ron Simmons, you had Bradshaw, you had a lot of guys that played and got drafted in the NFL that just didn't make it for what an injury per se or whatever. Uh, you know, so to get in another profession and make it at the top of that other profession. It still takes a lot of intestinal fortitude. And that know? relationship is still there today. You know, you see Monday Night Raw, if they're in the town of an NFL team, you will see that you you will see, you know, seven, eight of those football players from that team sitting sure. front row at the event. Uh, you're you're a player in the league, you're gonna be sitting front row. You you come to St. Louis, you're gonna have Cardinals sitting in the front row for Monday Night Raw or a SmackDown exactly, if they're in town for that. And if you're not in the pro team, you're gonna see that collegiate team there. Like if you go to Columbus, Ohio, you're gonna do see, they show the do they show the Buckeyes on there? You'll have some James got showed on there. You'll see yeah. a bunch of Buckeyes. I mean, I had James's whole defense there one time. Yeah, you know. So I mean, and they were like huge fans of uh, of of WWE and WWF at the time. So. So that's uh, that, that's I I never had even thought about that that being the first time that you guys had had talked. So yeah, first time Bill Goldberg and I ever talked. Yeah, was in the back of a limo with you in a straight jacket. Yeah. Straight jacket sitting there sweating my ass off, <laughs> <laughs> waiting to go in the ring. And I said, you believe this? And for crap? what the payoff ends up being, too, for you having to sit there that long. Oh, man. We're, and we'll get to it. Oh, we'll get to bro, it, too, because, my it. God. Oh. Wait, 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 bro. Wait, do you hear what I tell you what Sid tells to me? When oh, you sit, you sit yeah. in the back of the limo. No, I'm, I know. His legs yeah. the shape of a letter L. We're getting into it. We got yeah. Hey, we got a card to get through. I'm stopping you because I, you know what? I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't get to the Reno versus Big Vito match. That's up next. Bro, I love Vito. So you know, okay. That's this is where this is Vito. where we start to kind of get into things. Where I'm looking at this and I'm going, Jesus Christ! I'm like, does Joe even know who the hell some of these people are in this? So Vito- I traveled with Big Vito. <clears throat> okay, let's just get that out there right now. Some okay. people will say, Oh no, Animal, you weren't friends with Vito. I broke. Come on, I still talk to Vito to this day. Okay, 
I love Vito. Vito's a great guy. He's a he was a great wrestler. Probably one of the most underrated guys in the wrestling business. He just didn't get a chance because oh, someone in the office probably didn't like him. You know what I mean? Or didn't like the look, or didn't think it was a money look, or something. Mm-hmm. I thought Vito was very good. Okay, that's, that's, that's when I wasn't sure when we get here. So, what about Reno though? Reno's all right. You're 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 familiar with who Reno was. Where's the picture? Let me the storyline. My memory. He looks exactly like Vito. I, they they might as well have. I mean, they were <laughs> that they, they were pitched here as being brothers. In in this storyline, yeah, and they're fighting each other. This is where they, you know, this this is kind of the big payoff for this. And uh, he's got the he's got the little shaved head. No, that's not him. I need to find Reno and Vito. Bro, big what Vito are those and Reno. School pictures. I'm, I'm looking up his real name, and I'm looking it from from there because I know if I type in Reno WCW into this, it's gonna be here. You go. Here's here's a picture of what Reno looks like. Take a look at him there. And he's got the shaved head with a ponytail coming out of it. So hairstyle-wise, I mean, you you and him had a lot to talk about, I would imagine, <laughs> knowing how terrible bro, your hair looked at some point bro, with that ponytail coming out of the I mullet. I got to put my glasses on and take a look at that. Bro, do you be quite honest with you? Yeah. I don't tell you how this was. This had to be a throw-together match. I don't even remember that. Trust me, we're going to get into a lot more no, but, insignificance but, 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 in this uh, in this pay-per-view. <laughs> no, but this isn't this, this isn't the worst of it. No, but to tell you, I, I was so far removed from mm-hmm. watching any wrestling at that time that I didn't even look at this thing until they called me and asked me. Right. I couldn't tell you what every every match was on the card because they kept me so hidden. Yeah. I didn't even know when I was up until they said, Animal, you got about a half an hour. Okay. That was it. <laughs> but I would tell you, though, that Vito is a good buddy of mine. I, Vito has got, has got this uh, weekly podcasting he does live on Facebook. It's not a podcast. It's just a weekly Facebook thing he does live. That, no, uh, big, he's on. He's with Vince Russo. He does the uh, the Big Vito brand with Vince Russo. He has a uh, he, he so he's part of the Russo brand network, if you will. Um, so he's yeah he's in the podcast well, world as well. Just so you know, mm-hmm. he sent messages to myself and my wife that he would love to be on our podcast. So he did. Yes, he did. Well, okay. Well, we'll have to. I mean. We, you know, since you didn't shit on him for being in this match, it was just Reno that you oh, shit on. I'm sure we could know. have. I don't know Reno. I can't. I can't even crap on a guy that I can't shit on when I can't see. You know? <laughs> it's so, like crapping in an empty toilet. I don't know. All right, so we go on. By the way, that match. Uh, I'm sure you were dying to know. Reno defeated uh, defeated Big Vito in the match. No uh, eight way. minutes and 41 seconds in uh, oh, in I'm that sure. one. The, a, as usual, take heed to this, another brother versus brother yeah. match that nobody believes it will ever work in wrestling history. They didn't believe it with the Funks, they didn't believe it with the Briscoes, they didn't believe it with the Steiners, and they're not believing it with the Vito. The, uh, the next match on the card, a tag team match, a cruiserweight tag team match, the Jung Dragons, Kaz Hayashi, and uh, Jimmy Yang, at the time he was just known as Yun, uh, Yun Yang, but uh, I would say more popularly known as Jimmy Wang Yang in WWE. Bro, you're really throwing around some names here that I can go to town on right now. I was going to say, Jimmy Wang Jimmy Yang, Yang should have been on SmackDown the same time that you were on SmackDown. 
as I look through the timelines here of when he was on here, as well, I look he wasn't through, Jimmy Wang Yang, I'll tell you that. Yes, he would have been. You would have been <laughs> in 2005 when you were teamed with Heidenreich. I guess he well he would have been. He would have been in there in. He was released in July of 2005, and then he came back to the WWE in 2006 and was there until 2010. So when oh. you would have been with Heidenreich and then done your solo gig back in 2006, you guys would have crossed paths at some point. Nah, maybe not, bro. With. It, it, he's you can't really recognize him there. I mean, and no, I, I think I have no idea. You know, because they had an A crew and a B crew, and sometimes your paths never crossed at all, even on TV. He was in the. Uh, they were also a team. They, their manager was from. You might remember the name from ECW, Kamano Wanalea. She was Leia Miao in WCW, best known for her work in ECW as Kamano Wanalea. Kamano Wanalea. Yeah. Mm. That's usually the king's name. Yeah, that's King, king Kabbalah Alaya. Yeah, that's uh, that was her name in ECW. She was. Uh, they tagged against Evan Courageous mm-hmm. and Jamie Noble. Okay. Now uh, Jamie Noble. Okay, Jamie those Noble. Those two I know. So you're. Uh, so you also know Evan Courageous. Yeah, but Jamie Noble I knew really well. J.B. Noble was a great wrestler, by the way. And he actually, you know, recently, I would say newer fans to wrestling would know him as part of J&J Security, mm-hmm. where he and Joey Mercury were the uh, kind of bodyguards for, for Seth Rollins. Well, no, for, it was well, more Hunter, for Seth Rollins. Yeah, they were yeah. part of the authority, but they were there to yeah. guard the briefcase and then the title of Seth Rollins when he was... Uh, when he had his run a uh, a few years ago, uh, Evan Courageous, by the way, yeah, that's that hair. I, you know what's like that the hair that he had, the, the long dreads that he had, that that takes some time and some patience to grow out. I gotta say, so the, this match, by the way, uh, the 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 young dragons, the young dragons, they get the uh, the win in nine minutes, nine minutes twenty one seconds for uh, for them in this one. Another. They're basically a you know just a match to get you through the card. Ten matches in all Bro, I on this card, this three-hour card. They, I, I can't even. There, there's not even any explanation for some of this. What part. I would, what I would say about WCW at this time, was well, first off, I mean the With the roof is falling out. The, the, yeah, the roof is falling down, but you look at what's going on over in the WWE, WWF at the time. And, you know, it's your, your rock in Austin, top two guys on there. Hunter is start is, is up and coming in there as well. Mm-hmm. The top guys in WCW at this time. I mean, you look at the, the main event, Steiner, Jarrett, vicious, you know, those three top guys, Sid. I mean, Sid's main evented two WrestleManias. Yeah. You talk yeah. about, you know, top guys. He he's main evented in WrestleMania against Hogan and the undertaker. So Vince at one point thought he was a big enough name to headline a WrestleMania. You look at the other names. Lex Luger is, is on there. Goldberg is on there. Another guy that's main evented a, a WrestleMania in here. Page, Nash, another Nash also main evented a WrestleMania. So you have these guys on this card that have main evented WrestleManias. Hell, as I go through the list here, Rey Mysterio was on Rey Mysterio, main evented a WrestleMania. There are five guys on this card that have been in the final match, uh, the main event match of WrestleManias mm-hmm. that are in WCW in 2001. And you wonder why they got 6,000 people. It's because the undercard guys 
are nobody. I mean, Reno is on there. Big Vito is on this card. I get that you need the undercards for these, but if you go and you look, I mean, this is Stone Cold is going to win the Royal Rumble in 2001. And for the WW for the WWF at the time, are they WWE? Yeah, they're still WWF in January of 2001. So you know they have their card. Here's their card for the 2001 paper or uh, Royal Rumble, which takes place exactly one week after this. Their undercard for this, the Dudleys, yep, against Edge and Christian, four Hall of Famers, Chris Benoit against Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho still to this day, I mean, here he is, you know, he's the Intercontinental Champion, or he wins the Intercontinental Championship here in 2001, but here in 2018 is probably the biggest name in all of wrestling right now. For what he just did in Japan, and the fact that I think he shocked a lot of people by staying in Japan, and now he's starting a rivalry with NATO over in Japan, who's going to be wrestling right here in the St. Louis Metro East area coming up in February. Mm for Glory Pro. <clears throat> and right now here in January, he's in a rivalry with Chris Jericho. That's awesome. It's a hell of a pool by Glory Pro to get <laughs> to get him. Heck that's yeah. timing right there. No kidding. You, you have China that's still on this card. Kurt Angle versus Triple H for the WWF Championship. And then you have the Royal Rumble, which is going to be won by Stone Cold here. Yeah, but, and, but but look at what you just mentioned right there, Joe. By the way, The Rock and The Undertaker also in that in that Royal Rumble too. So I you know, have, but look yeah. at every name you mentioned. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the WWF back then promoted the matches to give people a reason to want to watch. <clears throat> yeah. The difference in WCW no one cared about Shane Helms wrestling Chavo Guerrero Jr. They didn't know the name of Shane Helms at the no, time, but Chavo but, should have been a much bigger deal then. They didn't then. care about the main event names. Yeah. They didn't because they had, you had guys, they were trying, listen, they were trying to start to hot shot it the way WWF can do it. The problem is WWF was doing the hot shotting with guys that were already over. And popular. You had every name in the match was huge in WWF at the time. In WCW, it wasn't the case. And, uh, and you know, we mentioned that. You mentioned about uh, promoting guys. The next match on the card here in 2001, Joe, Ernest Miller against Mike Sanders. Mm. Now, I, I would imagine, well, I would imagine that you that the popcorn and match? I would imagine that you and Ernest Miller have crossed. I mean, Ernest Miller seems like a guy that was around for quite some time. He he's you know, he's done a lot in the wrestling business. So I'm, I, I, I mean, this is without even asking you ahead of time. I'm and, you know, the fact that Ernest Miller was in the movie, The Wrestler, the 2008 movie, The Wrestler. I would imagine that you and Ernest Miller crossed paths at some point. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen. A lot of very few guys, Joe, like I was saying, you don't get really to know them besides your professional level. Right. You know what I mean? Um, very few guys you do get to know. And Ernest Miller was not. It was enough to be an acquaintance. Say, hey, man, how you doing? How are you? I hope you're doing good. How's your family? That, that mm-hmm. was the extent of the conversations right. a lot of times. And it's vice versa with us, too. 
No, I, I, I mean, I could get that. You, know, you still have your, you know, and, oh, well, I don't want to, you know, using this word, I'm, I'm using this word as, I, I guess, I'm going to say groups. I was going to say you have your cliques. Not, I'm, not talking, are, about no, the, bro, I'm not talking about the no, clique, I know, but, there but are I'm cliques. talking about, yes. You, listen, listen, no matter how they don't try to do it, Hawk and I always try to be nice to everybody, but in the locker room, there are your cliques. There's yeah. your main event cliques, and then there's your middle of the card cliques, mm-hmm. and then your undercard cliques. Absolutely. And guys, even to this day, will say, oh, man, I'm just a curtain jerker, you know, for the for the for my match today. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I, I absolutely understand that. that that, you know, that does make sense that you're, you know, you're going to have your guys that always want to hang out, your buddies that are going to hang out. And especially in the wrestling world, it does come out more than often who those buddy buddies are based yep. on jobs they have or pushes they might have at certain points in their in their careers but you know it's it's one of those and then you know, the other guy in the ring was Mike Sanders who in this match this was for this was to become the commissioner of WCW at the time it is above average Mike Sanders against Ernest the Cat Miller Mike Sanders is the uh at the time is the commissioner Ernest Miller gets the win. At the time, Mike Sanders was in a group called the Natural Born Thrillers. He's kind of the leader of the group, the spokesman of the group. But it's just, as far as size-wise, he is just so much smaller than everybody else that's in this group. It was seven guys that graduated from the WCW power plant, trained by Paul Orndorff. Mm-hmm. We're the Natural Born Thrillers, and we're going to talk about them. They have another match coming up. Chuck, well, Pal- Chuck I- Palumbo. I know you. I know, I know you know Chuck, Chuck Palumbo. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Mark Jindrak. Yeah. Okay. Sean O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Sean Stasiak. Yep. Johnny the Bull were the other two that were on this now, list. That surprised me because three of those guys, maybe four of them, are pretty good sized guys. That's that's what I'm saying about Mike Sanders. I mean, it's you know he was given the nickname above average Mike Sanders because barely, when you should see be barely him, above average. Yeah, but you see him with these other guys. I mean. Palumbo, Jindrak, O'Hare, Stasiak are huge, yeah. huge guys. And so to have, I mean, I guess that makes Sanders stick out being the mouthpiece of the group, being kind of the, maybe the brains behind the group where everybody else is the brawn. I suppose so. You, know, you always got to have the small guy creating interest where the other big guys are bailing them out. I can see that. <clears throat> Palumbo, I thought, was going to be huge. So did I, I, Palumbo and O'Hare for sure. I thought was just gonna they were gonna take off and be monstrous. I, looking back at it and looking, I mean, just the eye test for some of these guys, like a like a Mark Jindrak. I mean, just I mean, effing huge. Yeah, I, the, he's he's just a beast of a guy. I mean, build at six six two sixty five. Yeah, I, I, the the arms on him, just the the body on him. Sean Stasiak, too. You know, a, a guy that was known as Meat. When he went over to the <laughs> yeah. WWF, Sean O'Hare was, they tried to give him the push. I, I believe they tried to give him the, uh, the push with Piper back when he came into WWF, but another guy, 6'6", 270 mm-hmm. for him. And then, yeah, Palumbo, which they, you know, they had the, the kind of the biker gimmick for him. Yeah, you know, I just 6'5", saw a somewhere on a motorcycle. For him, yeah, he does the, uh, he's the host of the uh, Discovery Channel, the Lords of the Car Hordes on the uh, uh, Discovery Channel, but he didn't really get his biggest push in WWF came as Chuck and Billy. But here's what you got to understand, Joe. And I try to tell this to people all the time. Just because you look like a million bucks Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you could draw a million bucks. Right. 
And this is what I think they find they found out relatively quickly with Jindrak and all these. Maybe Jindrak couldn't draw. Maybe he couldn't wrestle pro wrestling. Maybe they thought that he was going to be a huge star and he just couldn't cut it. I don't know the reason, but but the way history goes along in our business, that's what it's kind of alluding to is maybe maybe these guys weren't ready for that kind of a huge push and they couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, listen, when Hawk and I did what we did, do not think that every bodybuilder and every powerlifter and every badass in the world didn't think they thought, well, heck, if, if Hawk and Animal could do it, I could do it too and be a world but champ. Not everybody, and that's the thing too. You guys made it your, you know, you guys were the big, big MFers that came in there and beat everybody up. The next big guys that came in, if they did the same thing, that's boring. It's already been done. Yeah. You you can't have another guy in 2018 come out spitting water and carrying a sledgehammer down to the ring. That's been done. Yeah. You know, you can't have another dead man. That's been done. You know, you, yeah, well, you, you everybody, you, <laughs> you have to come up with your own thing to get over it. Yeah, you could have, you know, you could have the, the protege gimmick. Yes, you can do that. But again, like you can only do that once and it's still hard to get over. They still, the problem is nobody came up with anything that was original. And you have to come up with something that's original, which is so hard to do in our business because everything's been done in the world. You, you know, before we were recording, you were laughing at Tyler Breeze and Fandango because, you know, how ridiculous it looks. But yeah, that's the thing. They went out there and they did their own thing and it got over with yeah. the crowd. I mean, Mike, oh, you they talk found about their a- niche, Joe. They found their niche and now they're trying to take advantage of that niche. And I hope they do it great because I hope the office doesn't screw it up because they are funny. You you want to talk about, you know, some a dumb gimmick that's over Rusev right now with this Rusev day that suddenly, you know, one day he was honored and it was Rusev day. So now every day since then has been Rusev day. The crowd eats that up. Yeah, and here yeah. you have a big monster of a guy like Rusev who, you know, right now their idea for him isn't to be a top guy, isn't to be top of the card going for the belt. So right now he's on the undercard. Who's the guy with him as his partner? <coughs> Aiden English. <laughs> <laughs> That's only for him to take the beating so Rusev have to get beat. But and the thing is, it's over. It, it's over, and the crowd absolutely loves it right now, and the two work well together. And right now Rusev isn't a top guy. But he's staying relevant on TV, and yeah, isn't, I yeah. mean, isn't that important? Like, you can't be the top guy. Well, not everybody all the time. can be the top guy all the time. You can't. But, no, but, you never can. But you can be a top guy and have a respectable position in the company. You know what I mean? It, uh, listen, the crowd always has to have somebody to cheer and someone to hate. Mm-hmm. They always wanted to hate Rusev from the beginning because of Lana and right. the. You know, Bulgarian thing and all that other stuff, right? So they wanted to do it. When she left him, it kind of left an opening. It kind of left him in limbo. Mm -hmm. Because, to be honest with you, she was the most over part of their gimmick. Yeah. I mean, Lana, let's not put any, miss any words, man. She was hot. Yeah. You know, so, and then she decided to be a girl wrestler, which has kind of ruined her because she's better off being the manager type. For mm-hmm. her, I think that's just my own opinion. But you know, when you get this, this business in your blood, you want to. Eventually, go for more. I think she'll be back to being she, the manager. She, yeah, she should. 
But uh, this 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 guy with the English guy is just it's just a stepping stone for Rusev is all it is. Mm-hmm. What they're trying Somebody's to do. Somebody's got to take the bumps. They're yeah exactly. They're trying to buy time, let Rusev look strong, and eventually he'll be thrown back in the mix mm-hmm. with with Lesnar or Strowman or someone like that. Somebody's got to take those bumps. <clears throat> he has to be. He's got to be thrown back in the mix. Do you know who uh, Aiden English is married to? No. The daughter of Vicky and Eddie. Really? Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah, the uh, the eldest daughter of uh, Vicky and Eddie is married to uh, is married to Aiden English. Uh, well, good yeah. for him, man. Good for him. So uh, married into a good family. Yeah, and you know what? And they, they Vicky's not on TV anymore, and Aiden English is you know they're not using it as a gimmick or anything. So good. he's doing everything in his own uh, you know his own work. You well, don't yeah. think if they need it for business that oh. she won't come out and say this is my son-in-law. You know, and, and, and go out and manage him someday, which you never know. That might be in the plans for after this little run with Rusev. By the way, so we got we got far away from uh, this match. And you well, know what, maybe yeah, on maybe, purpose, maybe if we were watching it, it would have been a good time to, uh, to to just get rid and pretend this match isn't happening because it goes. Well, it only goes five minutes and 44 seconds. And in the end, Ernest Miller gets the win over. Mike Sanders to retain or I guess regain the job of WCW commissioner. So uh, your uh, your commissioner Joe right before you're about to come into work. You should know this. You should know who your bosses are in, in the business well, as you're Joe, sitting there in the limo. It uh, wasn't a very <clears throat> yeah. touted position I mean, in the company that everybody was trying to get. You knew who your CEO was, Ric Flair. You should know who your commissioner is that's going to be eventually booking you in matches, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you barely knew who the boss was back then. <laughs> uh, backstage, Goldberg, as I'm, I'm reading this, I'm going back and forth. I'm reading the, uh, just to, for reference purposes, so people out there know, I am using uh, Wikipedia's uh, rundown of it. I also have Dave Meltzer's notes from the January 22nd 2001 Wrestling Observer, which I haven't even read any of his. Uh, just, I haven't just read any of curiosity. Show. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Yeah. What did Meltzer rate this pay-per-view? This pay-per-view overall, as I go through here, I'm sh- I think I'd have to get to the very end. Yeah, Meltzer even make it to the end. Um, as I look through here, yeah, Meltzer, we'll read, we'll we'll definitely read what Meltzer has to say about everything when we get to the end. This match, the match that we just uh, that we just talked about, he did give it two stars <clears throat> between. Ernest Miller and Mike uh, Mike Sanders. So he does. Uh, he gives them that. As I'm, I'm just scrolling through here, out of ten, I I, I want to say it's a five star system. Hmm. I want to say it's a five star system. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Chronic <laughs> comes out at uh, one point in this. Oh, the, uh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll get to the we'll get to the tag team of uh, Chronic. That is. Let's name a team after Pot. You know, you uh, well, in this uh, in this match, is I, you know, who was in that, right? So the uh, the Chronic uh, Crush team and uh, Brian, um, what's his name? Yeah, it was uh, Brian Brian, Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Brian Clark. Yeah, so. we're uh, we're Chronic. So that's. Um, by the way, Flair and Goldberg were shown backstage watching the uh, watching the pay per view. As they also see Bagwell and Luger appear, Bagwell and Luger are going to face Goldberg and his um, and his tag team partner of Dwayne Bruce later on in the show. Flair introduces Goldberg to a young man with his father and gives them an autograph. 
at the uh, at the time. Next match on the uh, on the card, your buddy Hacksaw Jim Duggan is the special guest referee in a Yo. penalty box match. <clears throat> you ever been in a penalty box match? No, I haven't. By the way, it is Team Canada, Elix Skipper, Lance Storm, and Mike Awesome against the Filthy Animals, Billy Kidman, Conan, and Rey Mysterio. Wow. They each have valets for the Filthy Animals. It is Tigress, who was part of the Nitro Girls. And for Team Canada, it is Major Guns, who is also known as Tylene Buck. If you're wondering what Tylene Buck is up to these days, she's doing porn. Awesome. Yeah, you can uh, you can pay to watch her uh, pleasure herself. <laughs> Goes by the name of Tylene T Y L E N E Buck. Tylene Buck. Wow. Yeah, she has uh, she does have some stuff online. I told you I, I did I did my research for this uh, for this show, Joe. Nice. Yeah, she's on. Uh, so how much did you study? I, you know what? Just a uh, just you a little any, bit here and any, there. And the um, undercover work. Yeah, just I uh, just wanted to check <laughs> it out and see. Uh, you can book her, by the way, Buck at gmail dot com. Joe, you'll be happy to know that you have more Twitter followers than uh, than she does. So uh, there you go, Tylene Buck, right there, fitness model, WCW wrestler, actress, and adult entertainer. And today you can book her, her at tylenebuck at gmail.com. She should quit bucking around, then she get more bookings. Mm. Yeah, so only, uh, but only five thousand seven hundred and eighty-nine followers. As long as we stay ahead of Tylene Buck on the uh, on the Twitter account, Joe, I think we're going to be <laughs> okay. Nothing to be. Uh, we won't have to be ashamed of uh, of that. So the penalty box match has the enforcer in the ring as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He's wearing the referee shirt. There is a filthy animals cage. There is a um, there, there is a Team Canada cage. <clears throat> if you do anything to upset Jim Duggan during this match, you get sent to the penalty box mm. for an unspecified amount of time. He blows his whistle, and he sends you to the penalty box. Okay. This match... Went 13 minutes and seven seconds. Wow, a lot longer than it should have gone. In this match, I mean, you should. I mean, you know Kidman, you know Conan, mm-hmm. you know Rey Mysterio. Yeah. I know that you know Lance Storm. Sure. Um, any, any, um, I guess run-ins over the years with Mike Awesome or Elix Skipper. Uh, Mike Awesome, I knew a little bit too, but still, I mean, just different names in that match just don't make sense. The, You're going from Canada to Mexico to yeah. Puerto Rico to jeez, man. Mike Alfonso was his uh, was his real name. Uh, he was in e- he was in all J- all Japan uh, from '98 to '99. He was in ECW all the way back in '93 and had times in there all the way up until 2000 and was also in WCW in 2000 and 2001. Did come over and was in the WWF and in TNA over the years too. Elix Skipper is a guy that, again, I don't expect you to know who Elix Skipper was or much about him, but I would have to say that Elix Skipper, probably one of the coolest moves in wrestling history. The uh, Are you familiar with the Elix Skipper, what I'm talking about, from his TNA, from his time in TNA? They had the six-sided ring and they were doing a, a cage match at the time. I'm showing it to you right now. 
for what Elix Skipper is uh, is probably most famously known for. The move that he does as he tightrope walks on the cage and then does the uh, hurricanrana off the top of the uh, off the top of the cage in TNA. It's a damn impressive move, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if that's impressive or stupid. He pulled it off, so it's impressive. Yeah, yeah. He it's like it a co- it's like a football coach going for an onside kick. If he if it, yeah, if he doesn't get the onside kick, then it's a really stupid move. But if he does get it, he's an evil genius. That those, uh, yeah. Listen, those moves off the top of the cage like that, Joe, are like the most ridiculously stupid moves. It's just uncontrolled. You cannot control your body in right. the air. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, to me, it's too dangerous. Well, this uh, he didn't do anything like that in this uh, in this match. Uh, they there were everybody was kind of sent to the penalty box at one time or another. Uh, Ray Mysterio gets hit really hard. So it was during the time, and I mean, this was most of Ray's career. I think this was also before Ray really really bulked up after he uh-huh. got to the WWF, where he was still thrown around an awful lot. You knew he was a top talent, but was still just getting tossed around because, I mean, the guy wasn't 200 pounds. No, no. And you're getting in the ring with these he looks huge good now. muscle heads. Oh, yeah. he's. I mean, he's bulked up quite a bit now over the year. I don't think he's as big as he once was, right? I mean, he's... Uh, no, right now he looks he? good, man. Yeah, Ray's a, Ray's a good guy, man. He's one of the top guys in this wrestling business, just personality-wise, family-wise, everything. Uh, the match ended when Lance Storm put the half crab on Kidman and Hacksaw Jim Duggan reluctantly rang the bell. They were playing off the fact that Hacksaw Jim Duggan is super pro-America, where Team Canada is obviously pro-Canada. Sure. And uh, well, yeah. that, uh, that caused the rift between Lance Storm and Hacksaw Jim Duggan mm. at, the, uh, at the time. Moving on, this, uh, this next one. Are you familiar with Crowbar? Yes. You 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 know Crowbar. He is uh, as, as I get his real name up here. Christopher Ford had uh, was in the WWF from '97 to '99. WCW from '99 to 2001. Also known as Judas and. Um, you're making, you know, in there. I gotta see pictures, Joe. You're talking. About I know you gotta see pictures. Many events and different guys. It's. I, I'm gonna guess you were never in the ring with Crowbar. I'm that's just a hunch that no, you were never in no, the ring. I with know them. who he is. Yes, no, I wasn't. I was, <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, we're never. I'm sure we're never gonna talk about Crowbar again. Any Crowbar stories? No. None. Don't have any. Well, the other I'm two not guys. Not Crowbar. I just don't have any Crowbar. Well, stories. the other two guys in this match, I, I know, I can almost guarantee we can fill a podcast, uh, fill a two-hour podcast with stories. As Crowbar was in a triple threat hardcore championship match with Ming and Terry Funk. Oh, awesome. But listen, if you notice the, the way this whole pay-per-view is going, it is going with matches that are just absolutely ridiculous. Four-way matches, three-way matches, three-way single matches. Gimmick tag- matches, oh, yeah. Oh, my. Everything's matches, a gimmick match. <clears throat> There's no storytelling behind anything. It's all a gimmick match. The uh, and yeah, so you have Ming, who by the way, Ming at this time, 2001 Ming. I don't know how you wrestle with the hair that he had at this time. That was a big fro. That was a huge, huge fro. He never <laughs> had this before, did he? I mean, he never. It was was this any of his early days? When did you first meet? When did you first meet Ming? Oh, man, I knew Ming way back in uh, the NWA. 
when Muto was wrestling for mm-hmm. Crockett. And uh, Ming was in there, and, you know, we used Ming quite a bit because Ming spoke Japanese. Right. He used to be an ex-sumo. So uh, we, uh, Haku, we used him for that, and and uh, you just knew one thing about Ming. He was the badass. That's all you knew. The guy who just had this <clears throat> sneaky look about him. And you, you know, there's an aura that guys like him give off. And you just say, this guy's a pretty tough guy. And the stories you hear about him, that's, I, I have a few, I mean, he, tough, he the toughest guy that you ever came across? Was there anybody? Well, I mean, a, if you had to rank the guys that you were absolutely not going to fuck with, is Ming number one on that list? Yeah, if he's not on number one, who's he's top? Who's way, top three? He, he's up there pretty good, Ming, because, uh, you know, you got Ming and, you know, Brock and... I don't even know who you put at number three. Who wins a fight between Ming and Brock, both in their prime? Mm. I mean, Ming's ripped the guy's eye out, right? I, I, I think Ming going because Ming won't. Ming will fight to win. He won't fight normal or, or clean. If I, that sounds right. Yeah. Where Brock's just going to try to hurt well, you and no, end the fight. Well, where no, might... But Brock in the close setting, you know, he's going to wrestle by. Yeah. You know, UFC rules, he's going to wrestle by WWE rules or pro wrestling rules. Mm-hmm. Ming, when he goes to fight, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I will take a limb with me. I will take an eye with me. I'll take an ear with me. I'll take something with me. Even if I lose, yeah, I'm taking part of you with me. That's right. Ming's mentality. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it, you know. But, yeah, and you listen, the guy wore a size 16 shoe. I mean, what do you what do you do with something like that? He's three hundred and thirty pounds and solid rock, and he's an island guy. You can't hurt him. You ever seen a bunch of the Samoan boys together right. or Tonga guys? You just cannot hurt them. Does Ming still do the? Uh, does he do any of the conventions? Is he ever out in any of this stuff? Once in a while, you'll see him there, you know. But uh, he does some things, not often. You know, his son is very uh, doing very well in the bull club. You know, and. Uh, you know, he, I think he's more comfortable with that kind of yeah. situation right now than him being in the spotlight himself. And he, listen, Ming's always been Leo a good Tonga family Leo Tonga is who guy. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, he's always been a good family guy. And, you know, same with Barbarian. Barbarian you'll see around now, too. But even Barbarian's starting to do appearances and, and not wear his makeup. He only wears his paint when he's with the Warlord. Okay. You know what I mean? Then, then they'll do stuff together. Yeah. You know, so... This uh, In this match, Ming came out to the ring with the belt, uh, even though Terry Funk was the champion. Uh, the storyline being that Ming had stolen the title. And if, you know, if Ming's going to steal something, who, who, who really is going to go back and get it? Yeah, from nobody. Him? Who's going to take no, it from nobody. him? <laughs> Terry Funk might be crazy enough to go try and get it from him, but he, uh, he waited until the pay-per-view to do so. Uh, as Terry Funk was walking down the aisle, Daphne, uh, Crowbar's... Um, Lady friend yeah, was. I remember that now. Yeah, was in the crowd, and she had uh, she distracted Terry Funk, and that's when Crowbar ran out and jumped him as Funk grabbed <laughs> grabbed Daphne by the hair and threw her over the guardrail. Something that you're not going to see done in 2018. No, 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 you can't touch a girl like that. It's... So they end up brawling to the back into the women's uh, into the women's bathroom. Ming finally joined them after that. So this is where. They, uh, <laughs> this is where they uh, start the fight. At one point, Terry Funk picks up a trash can and throws it and hits Ming right in the face. 
They, these guys do some crazy stuff. I mean, this really was a quite the hardcore match. And Terry Funk's the, the godfather of hardcore matches. Right. Man. You have you have a tough guy like Ming in there. You have a guy who's in there with two legends, Crowbar, with nothing to lose in this match. And his gimmick, his character is, is crazy, along with Daphne. So, I mean, the three of them together is really... You know, it's it's probably Talk the perfect about mix. Talk about cuckoo's nest. <clears throat> right, That's perfect. Yeah, so they finally make their way back into the ring with uh, with this one, and after uh, Ming hits, puts the uh, the tongue in death grip on Terry Funk and pins him with that. So Ming ends up getting the uh, getting the victory and taking the belt that he walked in with. The tongue in death grip. Yeah. Two and three quarter stars for uh, mm. for this match, which hey. really was kind of a lot of fun to watch. It was for this for that match. This was a uh, this one was a, a pretty good one. Uh, backstage, Gene Okerlund is interviewing Sid uh, in the uh, in there uh, in getting ready for their match later in the evening. Uh, this will be the last time that uh, Sid walks normal for the rest of his life. Um, and it was nice to see that Sid made the trip to uh, to Indianapolis. Didn't have any flight issues back in 2001. Or any softball games. Yeah, or any softball games to go to. But uh, you know what? At this time, George Bush is the president in 2001 and it does not... Uh, there was no flight restrictions. Yeah, no flight then. restrictions. Especially in the USA. Well, I guess to January of 14, or January 14th, I guess, uh, what Bill Clinton technically was still president right mm. yeah clinton would have yeah. been the uh, yeah, president right. there, he yeah. uh would have been sworn uh bush would have been sworn in just a, a couple weeks later if i have my american history correct in this so but hey neither bill clinton nor george bush did anything to restrict the flight of sid justice sid vicious back in january of 2001 so he was able to freely fly around the country mm. with no travel restrictions in place by the president the <laughs> <clears throat> uh, hornswoggle didn't have to fill in for him at any uh <laughs> any point here's your next match on the card this one is for your wcw world tag team championship do you know who the champions are at this time when you are sitting in a limo in 2001. No. It is the team of the Insiders, mm. not the Outsiders. The this insiders. is the Insiders, Kevin Nash and Diamond Dallas Page. Mm. So Diamond Dallas Page, for all those years, feuding with the NWO, refusing to join the NWO, that's what put Diamond Dallas Page on the map were his rivalries with Macho Band, with Scott Hall, with Kevin Nash. Here in 2001, he's now a tag team champion with Kevin Nash against two of the natural-born thrillers. Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare are the two that are going to come down. Here, this one, this is... This one's weird because this is kind of the continuity of things. Mike Sanders, who just lost the role of commissioner early on in the show, Mm -hmm. comes out and tries to make changes to this match before it begins as if he's still in charge as the commissioner, which makes Ric Flair come out and let him know that he's no longer the commissioner. And the whole thing just seems stupid because, you know, an hour before this, he loses the role of commissioner. Like, are we supposed to forget that he's no longer the commissioner? That was one I I didn't quite understand how this went, but still, a lot of interference in this match leads to uh, Palumbo and O'Hare winning the tag team titles from the Insiders, Diamond Dallas Page, and Kevin Nash. 
I have no. I don't even know what to say about that match. The uh, the match itself was only was also two and three quarter stars. I, no, I guess it, you know it, what Joe, it says a hard, lot though. But this is Kevin Nash. Too. This is Kevin Nash in two thousand one, putting over young talent. Yeah. Though, so I mean, I guess if you're going to say anything about it, maybe I guess it's a positive thing that Kevin Nash for all these years is being accused of burying talent, but for some reason in 2001, he is putting over guys like Palumbo and O'Hare. Well, I just think it was a situation where they're trying to shove Palumbo and O'Hare down people's throats and they weren't fully there yet for them to believe that those two guys can get in the ring and beat you know, Mm -hmm. Nash and and, uh, DDP. Yeah. Because DDP was one of your most over guys in the company. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, this is all pre, this is all pre NWO stuff, right? No, this post, this is 2001. This is all post NWO. NWO? Yeah, you're talking post NWO was 96. Well, then NWO was dead then at the time. Yeah, it was dead. Yeah. So there, that's uh, they put him over there. I know we're gonna. I know we'll talk plenty Nash. I know we'll talk plenty DDP. We we already went over Palumbo and O'Hare. No reason to uh, revisit those, though. Palumbo, I'm sure, like you said, you've seen him on TV. You know what he's doing these days yeah. with uh, with his work. The next match on the card: Shane Douglas, your friend, mm-hmm. Shane Douglas, in a first blood chain match for the WCW US Championship against another guy that you've known for years. I don't know what your relationship is. Bill DeMott. Oh, you. Okay. So, for years, known as Hugh Morris. Mm-hmm. Known in the time uh, when he was a trainer as Bill DeMott. So, but he's Hugh Morris. Here, he's known as General Rection because his name is Hugh G. Rection. No longer humorous. It's huge erection. Hmm. <laughs> I have nothing to say about that. And they wonder why the viewing audience was horrendous. What kind of name is that? And it's not it's not <clears throat> Hugh Morris's fault. And it's not Shane Douglas's fault. Mm-hmm. What kind of stupid ass name is that? Yeah. Huge erection. Are you, no wonder why he couldn't get any kids to tune in. Before the match, uh, Shane Douglas walked down with quite the bulge in his pants. The referee reached into his pants and grabbed at the bulge, which was a chain. There was a chain 20 feet above the ring, but it was... Uh, he had another chain. Yeah, he, he brought down another chain that the referee took out of his pants. Hmm. In a first blood match... Which the referee, referee? The referee. You know what? That I didn't make a note of it as I was watching Which this. Which referee had the pleasure of doing that? And in the uh, in Meltzer's notes, it does not say who the referee was uh, for this. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pause the uh, the what podcast was the, and go back and what's look. the rating on that match? <laughs> well, first off, if a chain again, this is a first blood chain match. You have wrestled Dusty Rhodes and yeah. wrestled with Dusty Rhodes uh, more times than you can probably count at this point in your life. Uh, how long would it have taken Dusty to either bleed or make somebody else bleed in a first blood match where he was given a chain? Ten seconds. <laughs> how long do you think a good first blood match should go? 
Well, listen, you have a chain. You have a, a, an right. object that's, in there that can yep. really hurt that's, you. I wanted knock, to, your, yeah. knock your teeth out, knock your, your eye out, exactly. knock anything out. So if you get hit with it one time, you think that's pretty much got to be it. Right. You know, yep. I don't know. How long did it go? 15 minutes, 18 minutes? 11 minutes and 36 seconds. Shane Douglas defeated Hugh Rection. Well, you could you could probably dance around and get around it being too ring. But man, I feel bad for Hugh, bro. <laughs> some of the names in this business that, that mm-hmm. he gave guys to use were just... At one point, uh, Shane Douglas uh, put Hugh in a figure four leg lock. Again, this is a first blood match. And what do you think of that? When you're doing matches like that, when they're trying to put guys in submission holds for a... Why would you want to do that? Right. It's first blood. Right. So the first first guy who bleeds Mm -hmm. wins, right? Isn't that the concept of it? So you only want to do things to make a guy bleed. Punch him in the nose, punch him in the mouth, get a weapon to cut him. Get him to tap out and you're going to bleed afterwards? Or what's... Make him pass out from the pain and just go get a knife and cut him open? I... A guy that's 100 pounds heavier than you are. Yeah. Hugh is a monster. Shane's pretty big, too. And Not even then, in 2001, then, bro. No, in 2001? Bro, Hugh had to be about 365 pounds. He was always big, yeah. Compared to Shane, which was not even 260. Right. Shane was two, probably 40 back then at his best. Mm-hmm. He had at least 100 pounds on him. But don't get me wrong. Shane was one of the best technical record wrestlers ever in the right. wrestling business. But still, you know, at that point. But then again, Shane Douglas's name was bigger than Hugh Morris's back then. You know we are getting to. Uh, but, but I would say that, you know, Paige and Nash is when you're starting to get into the main events of the match. You know that we're getting down into that, uh, down into the bulk of things. The Douglas and Hugh match was the eighth match on the card. So, by the way, that was given one star. <coughs> one Sorry. star from that. Uh, Meltzer writes, they tried, but it was pretty bad. Mm. There. Uh, so, <clears throat> he uh, he gets through that. So, the ninth match on the card, kind of the co-main event, if you will, is totally buffed Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell Yep. against Bill Goldberg and Dwayne Bruce. If Goldberg gets disqualified... Mm-hmm. If they lose in any way, uh, and it, well, I should say it was a disqualification match, but if anybody interferes or if Goldberg loses, he is forced to retire from professional wrestling. Who's Dwayne Bruce? That's what I was going to ask you. If you had any, if you knew or had any interaction with Dwayne Bruce, which I'm, I'm very much surprised that you're, you don't. He was also known as Buddy Lee Parker. Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, or known as Sarge, the trainer at the WCW power plant. Is he a short guy? Very short, yeah. About 5'10". A little buzz haircut? Yeah. Blonde? Kind of blonde? Yeah. yeah I know him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I would say kind of looks a little bit like a, uh, looks a little bit like Fit Finley. Yes, okay. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, a, a buff guy, but but very short. So I was gonna say if I was gonna see if you had any interaction with him, if you yeah. knew who that was. We run a Georgia Championship Wrestling with a guy named Dale Vizi. Okay. If you look at him and Dale Vizi, we would wrestle him. They were job guys at WCW when Hawk and I first started down in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And we they used to dress up in these uh, state trooper outfits. They okay. both were straight troop troopers. Yeah, we beat him like in about two seconds. He was all Japan as well, uh, too. He did all Japan pro wrestling in 91 and 92. He would team with various uh, partners in AJPW. 
for the uh, time, but it says here, yeah, he was used as enhancement talent. So mm-hmm. I don't ninety one, ninety two. That was during your WWF run, so you wouldn't have been making no. many trips over to Japan no. during uh, during that time. With that, uh, but yeah, he was um, yeah lost. He was pretty much a jobber most of the time. He lost matches Cowboy Bob Orton, Iron Sheik, uh, too. But he was promoted as being the trainer, the guy responsible for giving us Bill Goldberg, the guy that trained Bill Goldberg who uh, started his career with this incredible streak and became one of, you know, going to be a future Hall of Famer. Hell, even maybe even this year, he'll be a, uh, be a Hall train, of Famer. Where did Goldberg train at? I thought he was on OBW. That's what, no, no, this would have been the power plant when Goldberg trained. Huh. This would have been the WCW power plant that he, was, uh, that he would have been in. So if this guy is training all of these wrestlers coming through the WCW power plant, all of these ones coming through, and he's a jobber, of a wrestler is this kind of similar to you know a guy that wasn't a very good baseball player becomes a incredible manager because he sees all of this stuff that's just kind of a student of the game that wasn't very good at it at the minor league or professional level but took in so much knowledge that he's able to teach guys through that well over the i years. just i think at the time you know that Buddy Lee Parker probably wasn't going to get that push because no, he, he would have been old at this time too. I, mean, I know, but I been, think he was like five six, Joe. He's, he's built at five ten, but no, he's significantly he's not, shorter than yeah. everybody else. He's in the ring. Goldberg's chin, yeah. So, but that's I'm, I'm asking. I mean, for a guy to be a, a head trainer, you were trained by by Eddie Sharkey. I, yep. I mean, we, you know, we. You pretty much know throughout the years who guys are trained by. But Ed Shockey also wrestled uh, Harley Race for the right. World Championship. Wrestled Vern Gagne. You know, you have other guys who were trained by Vern Gagne's camp, like like Ellering, like Ken Patera, you know, and and you know stuff like that. So usually you are an example of the guy who trains mm-hmm. you. Lance Storm now today trains great people like Rachel Ellering and. People like that to come out of the Canadian ranks, you know. So I don't know. um, I think it was just primarily for TV that they said that. He could have worked in the power plant and helped enhance talent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Bro, I never even stepped foot in the power plant. Right. And just, you know, for an example, right now, NXT is the, or I guess the WWE Performance Center. Right now, the head trainers down there, Matt Bloom, is the uh, is the head trainer for the WWE right now down at NXT, better known as Albert or A Train or Tensai. Mm-hmm. So he is the uh, the head trainer down there, a guy that was huge over in Japan, never quite got the big run in WWE, even though they tried a bunch. But now he's responsible for a lot of the talent that you're seeing coming up through NXT and training them the WWE way. I know, you yeah. know, so much now you get these guys that are coming from the indies or coming from Ring of Honor that are making their name in NXT where they're already known. But, mm-hmm. you know, Vince and Triple H are going to want them to wrestle the WWE way of wrestling, oh, or yeah. at least I, I guess the promos and stuff like that. Other trainers uh, with the WWE right now, Sarah Del Rey, Robbie Brookside, Norman Smiley, Adam Pierce, and Sarah Stock. Those are your uh, the guys that are all trainers right now as we're talking about the the power plant this match by the way out of nowhere and it was it was terribly done on tv you remember we, we talked about it and we saw the uh, the guy that got the autograph in the picture with goldberg with rick flair back when they were watching backstage mm-hmm. 
Out of nowhere, the guy runs in and sprays mace into the eye of Bill Goldberg. The announcers have no clue who this guy is. They don't they don't acknowledge that he was the guy from earlier. They don't have I mean this is and it was uh Tony Schiavone and I'm trying to think who the other guy was, who the announcer was as I um go through. We got to get yeah. Tony Schiavone on the show. That's I'm sure we can, but we're going to get him on the show to go over this kind of stuff. But you you have you know, Shivani and I want to say it was um uh, God damn, I'm trying to think. WCW? Yeah, it would have been WCW in 2001. Was it David Crockett? No, it wasn't. I don't think Crockett ever did. Um, Scott Hudson. I knew it was Scott. Scott Hudson and Tony Schiavone oh. were the uh, were the two announcers here. They never oh. mentioned that it was the guy that was there taking the picture with Goldberg. They, you know, they talk about it being a rogue fan, but they don't tie it in. You know, you had the foreshadowing yeah. early in the show. And it wasn't brought back in. So either they weren't told ahead of time that this was going to happen or I mean, maybe, you know, they just didn't see it or they didn't remember it or they weren't told somewhere in the production. There was also nobody in production or was a big yelling oops. to them about this either. They should have they should have tied it in, into the whole thing. Right. So it wasn't tied in. And in the end, Luger picks up, uh, picks up Goldberg. They and uh, Buff Bagwell does the blockbuster off the uh, off the t- to get the one two three and Goldberg is retired mm. from WCW. That's uh, so they have him walk off. I'm sure that they had some big plan to bring him back at some point, but WCW only has about sixty days left to live. Sure. So it's not a uh, not really. We never really see how that ends up playing out. This match, by the way, was given two and a uh, quarter stars. They do uh, they do allow Goldberg to walk out and get the uh, round of applause. You see Sarge come up to him and pour water in his eyes because he was maced in the uh, in the ring. And again, also too, what was weird is that you have Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger walking out with this kid, not hugging the kid, not patting him on the back. The kid's just kind of tagging along. You know that it was a plan yeah. by Luger and Buff Bagwell to have this kid included, but they in no way are really acknowledging him either in this. Very well, that's weird. that's pretty much the way Luger and Bagwell did their business. They didn't acknowledge anybody. Were they close backstage or was this just Those a, two were close backstage. Yeah. Those two and Sting were very tight backstage. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were very good friends. And at this point, too, in 2001, I, I mean, I hate to say it, I hated seeing him at the uh, at the way he looked and the shape he's in, too. Goldberg, Luger does not look like the total package in 2001. No, no. <clears throat> Listen, back then there was a lot of, a lot of extracurricular activities mm-hmm. going on. So at this point, you are probably, are you brought up or where, okay, so you are brought out of the limo, you said about a half an hour before time. Where are you brought No, in? I was brought out of the limo, like, <laughs> Before I was going to go to the ring. So you were brought straight from there to Gorilla? Right to Gorilla. And really? nobody knew who I was because I had my head covered. Okay. I had the mask on. Were peop- did people assume that you were Rick? Yep. As you're walking by, all, are there people the, backstage? Yeah. Who's the, backstage seeing you? All the, uh, everybody. All they, all they said was, huh. Huh. Started barking at you like. Roof, roof, roof. I started barking back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all I did. So who who back? I mean, the, give me. Uh, do you well, have no, any no, idea bro, of who they, you're walking they, no, by? No, they don't understand, Joe. Right by the gorilla position where you're the car, you come out. It's not like you're gonna have 
oh, listen, there's 15 main eventers right. standing there looking for you. You know, everybody's done their job. Pretty much half the card cleared out. Okay. We're probably left for the hotel or, or to go on to the next city for TV, right? Who knows that it's you? Well, I mean, Flair knows that it's me because, of course, Flair was heavily involved. Bischoff knows because he was the boss. My brother knows. And then you had um, uh, Goldberg knew because he was the main cog in the company back then, right? Did Jarrett know? Did Sid know? Did Steiner know? Uh, I think Steiner and Sid both knew. I don't know how much Jeff knew because I really didn't get the chance to talk to Jeff before the match. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but I knew Steiner and Sid had to know. What's the point of keeping somebody like Jeff in, not in the loop with well, this when he's in the main event? I don't know if he is, but but my part in the match was so insignificant. Mm-hmm. I came down at the end, right? Okay. So, I mean, you know, I came down running like Rick Steiner, barking all the way right. to the ring, and then I get in the ring and I take my deal off when I see his legs <clears throat> smash. Right. And what can I do then? I mean, the whole thing was done wrong. By the way, uh, I forgot to mention this before the Goldberg match, but Michael Buffer is the ring announcer not only for that match but for your yes. match. So 60 days before WCW is bought with putting on terrible pay-per-views, only 6,600 in attendance, mm-hmm. the buy rate could not have been that great. They are still spending money to bring Michael Buffer in sure. to be the ring announcer. Yeah. The infamous, you know, let's get ready to rumble. You're gonna have to pay him now for that. I know, you're, right? You're gonna Sorry. have to. Uh, he'll he'll bill you uh, for uh, for that. Well, then he could bill me for saying, "Oh, what a rush!" Too. I'll, I'll bill him. Is, when is when? Is, <laughs> what, are you gonna go I'll back and find I'll video? Bill, of him I'll bill him this? for the photo he took when he backstage. <laughs> so he inter- Flair comes out interrupting Michael Buffer. And said the mystery man would be out later. I'm reading from Meltzer right now. So the match started without him. So the mystery, the match starts without the mystery man. So you are the mystery man that is not a part uh, to start the four-way dance. The um, it's you know Sid isn't looking good here. As Meltzer writes, he says. He said, Sid, uh, he said, this is disappointing. He goes, it pains me to say this because the man did suffer a terrible injury. But man, did Sid ever look worse than ever? He was far worse here than even on Thunder. Steiner and Jarrett not only worked together, but didn't try to break up the other's pin attempts. Illogical, but whatever. The Going into this, it was that uh, Steiner and uh, Jarrett were friends and that they were going to have yeah, each other's yeah. back. Sid tried to double suplex both guys, but it ended up a double brain buster, and I really thought someone got hurt bad. Suddenly, they cut to backstage where Flair opened up the limo door, revealing Mystery Man in his costume and everything. Well, that was was supposed to be the whole thing. I was going to join Flair's posse with Jarrett and Steiner, right? We're going to be the... But right now, Flair is on screen telling Steiner he's basically going to try to screw him out of the title in any way possible. Exactly. So what happens then is, in this match then, is Sid goes to the second rope. And he, he, he was going to try to drop... A big leg, like land on one leg and mm-hmm. give the high boot. Yeah. Like a like a jumping high boot from the second rope, right? Yeah. With somebody. But if anybody knew Sid, you knew that his ankles were about two inches around. Mm-hmm. And the guy was 300 pounds. Right. You jump, what, 
two and a half feet in the air mm-hmm. and land on that kind of that, that kind of platform, bro, any off board or anything, that thing is going to snap. And that's exactly what his leg did. It snapped. <clears throat> yeah. As they show the uh, as they cut back to the ring, <clears throat> Tony Schiavone yells, I don't know what happened, but Sid is barely mobile. Turns out he broke his leg jumping off the ropes. Uh, Meltzer goes on to write, God bless him, but what the hell was Sid thinking jumping off the ropes anyway? Mystery Man hits the ring. Sid was lying on the ground in total agony, so Mystery Man uh, ends up giving him one double sledge, and then Steiner pins him. While this is going on, Steiner's also kicking Sid Justice. Well, yeah, let, 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 me, let me paint the picture of this, right? Yes. Let me paint the picture of this. So, my time to go down to the ring. Sid's in the middle of going up to the t- second rope and dropping that leg. When I get word, oh, no, he's hurt, he's hurt. When are you told that he's hurt? Before you right. walk out yeah. or as you get so, to the ring? So I'm trying to figure, okay, he's hurt. Let's go out there and see how bad he's hurt when I get to the ring to see what we're going to do. Now, what I was supposed to do mm-hmm. was Steiner was supposed to hurt Sid. I come in, Mr. Man, boom, gut shot. I powerbomb Sid because that mm-hmm. was Sid's finish. I was supposed to powerbomb Sid like once or twice. That was going to be it. Well, when Sid has a broken leg, I look in the ring and Scotty Steiner still trying to move Sid around. And Sid's screaming and that leg's like flopping like a fish out of water. It's just like nothing's to it. It's holding together by like a couple of ligaments at this time, right? Yeah. Nothing's holding together. And he's screaming, you know, my effing leg, my effing leg, oh, my effing leg. And you look at it, bro, if he did not have those high boots on, that was definitely coming through the skin. Mm -hmm. Because you could tell it was through the skin in the boot. Scotty goes... Joe, what should I do? What should I do? Now, this is already after I took my mask off. When I took my mask off, and Sid was laying there, and I threw it. <coughs> you know, Shivani and those guys did a great job. Oh, no, look, it's Road Warrior Animal, because I heard the playback on it, right? Yeah. But I said, kick him. So he kicked him a couple times, and I did the double sludge on him, and Scotty pinned him. Yeah. What could you do? He was laying there with a broken leg. There's no way we could pick him up and do anything. Could you imagine me trying to powerbomb him with that force God, and that, no. that leg flopping around? Uh, it was bad, man. It was bad. What that did right there, I mean, Joe, you got to look at the thing. You wonder why no. WCW failed. The whole show was an atrocity. Leave it lead, leading uh, up that with the matches, as you see. I'll, Just us trying to narrate it right now was like pulling every tooth of my mouth. I'm going to read how Meltzer finished this match. It only ended up going seven minutes and uh, 53 seconds. Uh, it says Mystery Man ended up <clears throat> giving him one double sledge and then Steiner pinned him. It should be noted that although the finish was really bad because it was cut short, the match itself was absolutely abysmal long before Sid got hurt. Trainers hit the ring immediately to take care of Sid. Mystery Man then unfortunately unmasked, revealing Road Warrior Animal. There was at least a buzz in the arena for that, but judging from the responses that we've gotten, it turned a lot of people off. Well, you know, because I was going to turn heel there a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, And it was just a surprise of me being the mystery guy. I don't think that the long-term plans were me to turn heel and stay yeah. heel. You know, but listen. It, I also want to say, too, that Meltzer, when he was writing his review for the week before, I think one of the reasons he might have been a little upset because as he's writing – 
in the uh, as he's writing the. Uh, here, here's what he wrote from the Observer the week before, the January 15th. The pay-per-view lineup for 114 in Indianapolis, Steiner versus Jarrett versus Vicious versus Rick Steiner. <clears throat> he also goes out to write, the mystery man made the save. Fans were barking, knowing it was Rick Steiner, but he looks absolutely horrid in the suit, doing that obvious Rick Steiner punch, and even worse, no selling. The big surprise is that he wasn't revealed on Night Show or Thunder. So well, Meltzer is all in on this being Rick Steiner. Yeah. See, and then it's you. Hey, even Rick, even the Wrestling Observer back then had no idea. Right? So that's what I was asking earlier. Yeah. Was this a swerve? <clears throat> I mean, I, I, you wonder at one point, too, like you said, maybe Rick was hurt or sick. I wonder, is it a swerve for swerve's sake? Because Russo was still working there, right? You know, that, but back then, that wouldn't put it past those guys who try to swerve everybody guessing what the wrestling business right. was doing, because the guys had that mentality back then, too, because they were sick of people. I'll be honest with you, like I told you before, people back then, now today it's a whole different ballgame. <clears throat> Meltzer is very accepted, and they respect him, right? Yeah. But back then, the guys actually got ticked off at him trying to guess stuff in our business, Yeah. right? So, But, but man, here, you had a picture of this, Joe. Picture this at the back. I was going to say, we haven't gotten to the part yet where oh. we read that. And so the trainer comes out. They're having to get Sid out of there. You're in the ring celebrating as they go off, uh, going to the turnbuckle, doing the road warrior pose up in the turnbuckles. And the announcers, which by the way, first off too, uh, the announcers are saying they didn't even think you were still in the business anymore. So they're trying to sell this as a surprise. But, you know, we're, we, we never will know what the match would have been like because of Sid's leg in the situation there. Why, I mean, why, why is your face painted when you're wearing a mask and a... Well, who am I going to say it is underneath it? Just come out as Joe Laurinaitis? I mean, I they know who Road Warrior Animal. I mean, yeah, can but you I not gotta, be Road Warrior Animal without the paints? No, or is that no, okay? I got to come out there with my paint on. That's, okay, that was where the pop came when the pop okay. did come. You know, okay, you know, at, at all. Because I mean, is Sting is Sting still Sting if he's just wearing sunglasses, or is he Steve Borden then? Well, he's Steve Borden. Okay. By all means, Steve Borden. Okay. People don't care about Sting without the paint. Okay. That's, I, I just, that, that's, I, I wanted to know. That was one thing yeah, I was yeah. wondering because, I mean, most of that paint had already sweated off because you were sitting in a car and you, uh, for in four a, hours. Yeah. And, and you had a mask on as you walked down to the ring. So yes. a lot of that had already melted off. So that's, I was wondering why you still had the paint on, too. So, okay. Uh, so it, when you have the paint on your road warrior animal, if you would have come down there without it, they, they would have had to call you Joe Laurinaitis. Well, you know, the idea was a good concept, Joe. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. But the end result didn't work out the way they thought it was going to work out. Right. The best part about the whole night was you had to be there back in the back. Mm-hmm. As Sid is in the chair getting hoisted up into the ambulance. And I look at Sid and Sid goes to me. Damn it, Joe, that effing Johnny, that effing Johnny had to have me come off the second rope. That effing Johnny, he's the reason why I broke my effing leg. And, bro, I've, I went around the side of the the the, 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 the EMT, <laughs> the bus, right? And I'm going, oh, my God, if he can grab my brother right now, he would choke him out and kill him. Where was Johnny? Johnny was around the side, but, you know, I mean, listen, it it was an unfortunate situation, and it was Johnny's idea for Sid to come off the second rope with one leg, which was 
Bro, I don't even know if a 200-pounder could do that, much less a 300-pounder. Right. It's a far way for a guy to drop on one leg, and especially as, as skinny as Sid's ankles were and the bottom half of him, the knee down, I just didn't – it's a lot of weight to come out on one little pedal. Right. Pedestal, you know. Yeah, yeah, Sid wasn't very happy. Uh, so from there, yeah, you start the stable with uh, with Flair and Jarrett and Steiner. You guys are all to uh, you guys are all together, and they really have to change an awful lot of stuff because Sid Justice or Sid Vicious is no longer able to uh, wrestle anymore with that. And there you have it. There's yeah. a uh, look at the Sin pay per view from 2001. Wow, now you, Joe I need spent a beer most or of his uh, most of the night inside of a hot limo. You need a beer after going through that thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed. Don't do from that, that to me again. I know. I know we got to go over the good with the bad, but I don't right. want to go over too many of the bads. Well, you know what? We will at some point. We are going to do. I, I want the next pay per view that we do. We're in 2018. I want to do a pay per view from 1988. I want to go back and I want to find a pay per view, a 30 year old pay per view from '88, and find a uh, find a good one that you were in and a rivalry that you were in back in 88 because I would say 88 was around the time that was some of the best work that the Road Warriors uh, probably did. Right? Well, bro, I don't know. I disagree with you there. I did, you know, we, if, if things would have gone good with a lot of promotions, man, we could have done good work for over 20 years. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I'm just saying, I mean, that's when you guys, you know, you turned heel in NWA and you had the uh, you had the belts in 88. So I'm, I'm just looking here. You're, you're fresh off the first War Games, too, in 87. So I'm saying it's a, it's a big time in your career. So we go back and we look at one yeah. of those pay-per-views in 88 and probably get some good stories from uh, from that as well. Oh, heck yeah, man. There's a lot of good yeah. stories from that point in time. So yeah, you take the good with the bad, and uh, there you have it. It is another uh, another episode of the Water Rush podcast. Next week on the show, as we said, we will be talking about Animal and the Legion of Doom's time on Monday Night Raw to coincide with the 25th anniversary of the uh, uh, of the debut of Monday Night Raw in January of 1993. I think if you go back and you look at the timeline, that you'll be surprised when the Road Warriors made their debut and. Just really, I would say, you know what, how few Raws that you guys were actually a part of in the well over, I want to say, what, 1,100, 1,200 Raws that there have uh, have been, you guys were not around for many of those, just given the years that you guys were with the company. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of that has to do with they didn't want to push tag teams, so Mm -hmm. that was one reason, and number two is... You know, the, the power that Hawk and I had in the wrestling business at that time, they just weren't going to let anybody have it. Then mm-hmm. they were afraid of that, and I think they were afraid that something was going to happen with that, although we never took advantage of that power. But, the, you know, it is what it is. Can't go back and redo it. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us uh, for us this week as we took a trip down memory lane to 2001 where Animal was featured in the main event of a WCW pay-per-view for a whole six seconds. And go learn, watch it, and learn how to adapt. Because after sitting in the limo for six hours, and you go there, and your whole thing you're going to do in your head, you'll be rehearsing for two days, goes out the window in 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to adapt and go on and do something else, and that's where the double glom came from. So that does it. Another one in the books. Until next time, Joe, take it from here. 
Yes, this is the WWE Hall of Famer from the Legion of Doom Road Warrior Animal. And you're listening to Oh, What a Rush podcast. <laughs> 